You're listening to a podcast from the South China Morning Post. Last Sunday was the Super Bowl. Mahomes flings it. It's there. Hardman, jackpot, Kansas City. And if you were one of the 123.4 million people who watched the American Football Championship game, you might have seen this commercial. The Tamu app and shop like a billionaire. Tamu is no doubt one of the most popular e-commerce platforms in the world right now, and that's partly because everything on the app is so cheap. I got them on Tamu, baby, for fourteen dollars. Tamu is cheaper, aggressively promotional, programmed to sell you useless stuff, and it's totally addictive. It's kind of like a mix between Amazon and TikTok. Advertising simply unbeatable prices on everything from. Fashion and furnishings to tools and technology, but lawmakers in the U.S. have zeroed in on a provision that might cause Tomu to lose its shine. It's called the de minimis rule. This is Inside China. I'm Jasmine Se. With more about de minimis and its effect on Tomu, I'm joined by my colleague CGG. Cici is a political economy reporter, and she used to sit behind me in our Hong Kong office. But then she relocated to Beijing, and she's now spending a few months reporting from our Washington D.C. bureau. Hey, Cici. Hi, Jasmine. It's great to talk to you again. Same here, Cici. Let me first start by asking you, what is the de minimis rule? The de minimis rule itself is a Latin expression that is usually used in legal context. It means Uh, something that is too trivial, too minor to merit consideration. So, in the U.S., there is such a trade war called de minimis that has existed for almost a century. And when it comes to imports, packages that worth less than eight hundred U.S. dollars, they can just enter the country directly without paying import duties, taxes, or fees, or They don't have to undergo any tedious screening procedures. So oftentimes, imports of physical goods come in、uh, large containers, boxes, and of course, the value of goods in those big containers are more than eight hundred. So for smaller packages, they're just too trivial to deserve any additional efforts from the U.S. border officials to screen. And I learned about this rule only after I came to the U.S. because I usually pay attention to China's trade data. And when I was writing a story about China's overall exports to the U.S., I talked to an expert who is specializing in apparel trade, and he said the year of 2024 is critical to watch for this industry because of the potential change to the rule. And what kind of changes are we talking about? So. Some U.S. politicians right now they argue that small products from China they are coming to the U.S. in smaller packages under the de minimis rule, in a form of e-commerce and sending over to the U.S. on cargo flights in contrast to container ships. And the U.S. politicians they're considering this as a loophole, especially for apparel trade. Because the country now is actively reducing its reliance on imports from China, for example, for apparel, they had a new law in 2022, banning all imports containing any inputs from China's far west Xinjiang region. 
At the same time, they also said that the de minimis rule has given Chinese sellers an unfair advantage and squeeze out American retailers because these Chinese sellers they don't need to pay for import fees. And it is true that there has been an explosion of smaller packages and shipments entering the U.S. in the past years. For example, according to the data from the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. The agency cleared about one billion de minimis shipments for the financial year of 2023, and that was a nearly 50% surge compared to a year earlier. Therefore, the U.S. lawmakers they have introduced two bipartisan bills last year, and they're calling for lowering the $800 threshold or just preventing any Chinese shipment from benefiting from it. And these U.S. lawmakers they particularly target two e-commerce companies with Chinese background, Xi'an and Temu. So Xi'an is a company founded in China but now headquartered in Singapore, and is known for selling fast fashion products made in China. And it has been very popular with young people in the U.S. And Temu is the Overseas part of Chinese e-commerce giant Pinduoduo, and both of the companies they direct connect and shoppers and consumers in the U.S. to manufacturers based in China. Mike Gallagher, who is a Republican lawmaker who chairs the Congressional Select Committee on China, said that, "quote Temu and Xi'an are built empires around the de minimis loophole in our import rules, dodging import taxes and evading scrutiny on the millions of goods they sell to Americans." End quote. Is what Mike Gallagher is saying about Temu and Xi'an true? Are these companies actually building empires around the de minimis loophole? So we reached out to these two companies, and a spokesperson from Temu said. The company's growth did not depend on the de minimis policy at all, and spokesperson said its rapid expansion and market acceptance is because of the supply chain efficiency and operational proficiencies. Well, I'm not an industrial expert, and I don't have the capability to assess how much is the company's success due to the role itself. But I think it is true that if there's no such thing. I guess the delivery of the packages to the end users in the U.S. will be much slower, and because there will be more screening process at the borders, and the cost of the products will be higher if they have to pay import taxes. But I think their argument is also true in the sense that the supply chain efficiency really helped to reduce the cost a lot. So, according to industrial experts that I talked to, for lots of products on Temu that worth under ten U.S. dollars, the last mile door-to-door delivery in the U.S. actually accounted for the lion's share of the total price the shoppers paid, rather than the products itself. So, as you said, Temu may not depend on the de minimis policy, but it certainly benefited from it and allowed its business to grow a lot. We saw evidence of Temu's success when they aired their advertisement six times during the Super Bowl, and everyone knows that running commercials during the Super Bowl, even just one time, can cost millions of U.S. dollars. 
I'm curious, what would happen to Temu and Xi'an if the de minimis rule is changed so that it doesn't apply to Chinese exports? Because we are not clear whether the bills will be passed or how will the rule be changed because the lawmakers, they haven't really agreed on how to reform the rule. So we don't know yet. But then I think one thing that is already happening now that worth to point out is that because of the voices and pressure from the politicians, the U.S. customs, they have already started stricter scrutiny of the smaller packages, the de minimis packages, since late January. So now when a flight carrying these small packages arrives at a port in the U.S., the movement of cargo is not permitted until customs personnel are on site reviewing the information and placing any necessary holes. And according to a logistic professional that I talked to, she has been warning her clients about potential delays of deliveries since um, that happened. And if the U.S. does eventually reform or get rid of the de minimis provision, it won't just hurt these e-commerce platforms. Won't U.S. consumers also have to bear higher costs? Yeah, because I guess it's kind of parallel to Trump's tariffs on China. Because according to a U.S. report, the American consumers themselves, they actually have borne most of the increased cost induced by the tariffs. And the inflation in the country uh, in the past two years was also quite high. And a lot of consumers are not really happy about the rising costs of daily necessities and groceries. Prices have risen for lots of foods, but the cost of eggs climbed the most in the last year. And consumers and businesses have scrambled to keep up. So apart from the U.S. consumers and e-commerce company, I guess it will hit China's exports equally hard because right now in provinces like Guangdong and Zhejiang, lots of manufacturers and uh, logistics companies, because they have been hit hard by the tariffs, now they've shifted their operational mode to adapt to the boom of e-commerce. A lot of them right now, they're receiving orders from Xi and Temu. So that's in part fueling the void left by the dwindling wholesale orders placed by U.S. importers. But then if this channel of smaller packages are blocked as well, I guess it will be a huge blow to the China's overall exports and economy as a whole. As many local garments right now, they're betting big on the e-commerce industry to revive the local economy. Hmm. So as you say, there's still a lot of uncertainty around these two bills. They've only just been introduced in Congress, but are they likely to pass and become law? So there has been bipartisan support for the two bills. But this year is very special because this year is U.S. presidential election. And the Congress itself has already had a very busy agenda. So whether the bills will be finally passed remain highly uncertain. And as I just said, not everyone agrees on how to reform the de minimis. 
and there are lots of shareholders such as U.S. e-commerce businesses and some logistics companies in the country that have been benefiting from the de minimis rule. They may oppose any attempt to revoke the benefits they currently enjoy. And the thing about U.S. consumers, because when you ask them directly, they will say,、uh, "Yes, we don't want to buy things from China," but They also want cheap stuff because the inflation was high in the past two years. So when politicians make decisions on whether something helps them to get reelected, they will have to figure out the differences between the U.S. customers say they want and what they really want.、Mm. Earlier, you mentioned how U.S. e-commerce businesses are also benefiting from the de minimis policy. What kind of businesses are these? Is it Amazon?、Uh, Amazon is also benefiting from the e-commerce boom, but then Amazon, Temu and Shein, they are actually the same. They are platforms. But then the U.S. businesses that I talked about are more about the smaller businesses that sell on,、um, for example, TikTok. They just import directly from the Chinese. Uh, manufacturers and sell it to U.S. consumers. And、uh, apart from that, the logistic companies, for example, UPS, USPS, FedEx, they've also earned a lot from e-commerce because they need to deliver lots of small packages, and they're also part of the shareholders. Got it. So you mentioned elections. Let's talk about the two front runners of the U.S. presidential race. Have Joe Biden and Donald Trump said anything about this de minimis rule or talked about imposing more tariffs on China? For this rule, I don't really see anything. But then for tariffs, there has been lots of talking about it. So、uh, Joe Biden, he has basically capped all the Trump's era tariffs on China. Since he became president, and at the same time, his administration has been also stepping up efforts to shift supply chains away from China. And then Donald Trump, he just said weeks ago that if he is elected again, he will impose a sweeping 60% tariffs on all Chinese imports. You're talking about 60% tariffs on Chinese goods. Is that in the cards?、Uh, no, I, I would say maybe it's going to be more than that. So on supply chain diversification, you recently reported that America's biggest importer is not China anymore. Mexico has taken that spot. Is this evidence that Washington's moves to reduce reliance on Chinese manufacturing are working? Yeah, I think partially yes, because China has been the top exporter to the U.S. in the past seventeen years, and this year China was surpassed by. Mexico and what's more, in Canada is also catching up. So the direct trade flows indicate that the U.S. is importing less from China and more from Mexico and other countries. But at the same time, the direct trade flow they don't reflect the growing complexity of global supply chains. For example. The components made in China they can go to Southeast Asia and Mexico and assemble there, and then the final products can arrive in the U.S. and it's very hard to track in detail. At the same time, it's obvious that more Chinese money is also flowing to Mexico, which is a key destination for U.S. nearshoring, and 
Chinese manufacturers for furniture, home appliances, and、uh, apparel and automobile parts. They have flocked to the country to build production bases since last year. One of the factory owners told me that they they are coming like crazy. Are there any other stories that you want to keep an eye out for in relation to trade between the U.S. and China? Oh, actually, I'm planning to travel to Mexico to interview the Chinese Chinese factory owners over there.、Uh, that will be in March if everything goes well. So that's one of the most important story during my rotation here. That was CGG. You can find our articles at scmp.com. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.